All right. <clears throat> that was a, quite a privilege to be up here and very uh, sentimental for me, uh, thinking about my relationship with uh, Bob and Bob and Debbie and Greta and I through the years. I remember I first met Bob. He was new to the church's college and career. And I came up harassing him, you know, on my bicycle as a teenager. I don't know, just for fun. And he looked at me and he said, look at you, I've seen better legs on a pool table. I'll never forget that, Bob. That was the, that was the first. That was the first. <laughs> and, and thus began almost a 50-year uh, friendship uh, as of today, certainly eternal. Through the years, uh, one of the places uh, I remember us going together, and you, I think I shared this some years back, uh, but uh, Bob and I went to see a, a Batman movie at the theater. I don't go to the theater a lot. Uh, I always enjoy my bathroom being closer than the theater bathrooms, and I can hit pause, and I can, you know, whatever it may be. But um, uh, we went to see Batman. And when we sat down in the theater watching the previews, something about the two guys behind us, they were adults, but there was a, they had a, a I thought, oh, there's a little bit of a, I, I know I could be childish, but I thought these guys, I, I hope they don't ruin the movie, you, you know, with too much talking. And um, just before the end of the previews, the one guy says, uh, hey, uh, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. Don't drink any of my soda. So off he goes and previews are coming to an end. The movie's about to start, you know, with some of those, you know, insignias and whatnot that come up. And the guy comes back. You hear him behind us. He says, uh, hey, did you drink some of my soda? And the other guy goes, no, no. Now the opening scene, Batman, you know, intense, is beginning. And as the opening scene is beginning and I'm trying to lock on what's happening in front of me, I, I hear the guy behind me say, why did you think I drank some of your soda? And he said, well, because the straw was moved. Did you? No, I didn't drink any of your soda. And, uh, you know, getting into the Gotham City scenario, right? And uh, the next thing I know, the, the guy goes, I, I, I don't know why it would why would it bother you so much that I, that I drank some of your soda? And he says, because I told you not to. Did you? No, no, I didn't drink any of your soda. Okay, now I'm trying to, you know, the scene's unfolding here. Ultimately, I hear, well, I did drink a little bit of it, you know. I did have a few sips. And I found myself thinking, what, this is, what is going on here? I'm more focused on the interaction behind me than what's on the screen. I'm missing the movie because of this sideshow here behind me. And it continued on. Like as the, as the opening scene moved into other things, you'd hear the guy say, I still don't understand why it bothered you so much that I drank some of your soda. He also was one of those guys that during the movie, you know, he, 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 there'd be scenes where you're like, ah, and he'd be, you hear him going, no, Batman, don't go in that room. Don't go in there, Batman. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, it, there are times when what? I was missing the movie because I was being distracted by the sideshow behind me. As we continue our journey studying 2 Samuel, uh, there are different parts of, it's a narrative, different events are unfolding, and they may seem disconnected, but I think when we, when we look at them together, for me at least, there's a real potential reminder in here for how in life we can miss the movie. 
We can lose focus on God's big picture, on God's plan and how it's unfolding. And we can get ourselves selfishly or whatever caught up in these sideshows trying to build our own kingdom. We lose focus not only on God's plan, but our part in that plan. And this morning, I hope to just remind us, don't miss the movie. Don't miss the movie. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your living word. We thank you for what you have revealed in your big picture plan. <coughs> we pray, Lord, that you would allow us to be stirred by it, perhaps be renewed, perhaps just that our enthusiasm would be multiplied as far as our part in your plan, your big plan. We pray it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We begin with 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, and we'll come to it several times because it's a pivotal verse. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew weaker continually. I want to remember the context we're in. What is that context? Well, God set apart a nation, Israel. He was guiding them. And Israel said, we want an earthly king. We want to follow somebody that's got flesh and blood. And so God said, okay. He gave them King Saul. King Saul disobeyed God. He didn't display faith. Uh, as time moved on, he ran ahead of God. And so God said to King Saul, that's it. You are going to be removed from being the king. God told Samuel, go anoint that boy David. Uh, it's not his time yet, but he's going to be the king who takes over Israel. Of course, David eventually kills uh, Goliath. And the people sing, wow, David, wow, he's done so much more than Saul. And that makes Saul jealous and paranoid. And so Saul then spends the next couple of years trying to kill David to prevent him from being the king. What happens? Saul eventually dies. And David, even though he's, he knows he's been anointed by God to be the king, he waits on the Lord. I will wait on the Lord to put me as king over Israel. And the people in Judah in the south put David as their king. But Abner, who was the commander of Saul's army, he doesn't want David to be king. So Abner decides, I'm taking my eyes off of the main screen, big picture. I'm going to start a sideshow here. I'm going to make my nephew Ishbu the king. In other words, he's one of Saul's children. We'll keep it in the family. And so that's what he does. The result we've seen, Abner causes a confrontation. It's a loss of life. And we end up here in chapter 3 and verse 1 with two armies, a north and south, strongholds, and they're engaged in a prolonged civil war. Now, it's not a constant battle back and forth. It's much more like the war between the United States and the Soviet Union when I was a kid growing up. That, that cold war, that sense of who's doing what and, you know, how uh, is there going to be conflict anywhere? And that's really what's happening between them. But they're constantly focused on each other and how we can maintain our positions. 
We're going to see from these scenes, I hope, to draw two main applications. And you may say, did I hear that right? Did he say two and not three? Yes. I'm not doing three today, three points. It's just two things that I want us to see for us to apply it to our lives. We are living 30 centuries later. So why are we reading this? Well, the first thing I want us to see is the main screen. We read what's happening on the main screen is that there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. What is unfolding on the main screen in the glory and the beauty of heaven is what should be unfolding on the main screen of our lives, whether we're dealing with gloom, uh, whether we're dealing with brokenness. God has a main screen, and what they're seeing in heaven should be what we are seeing on the main screen, what I mean, of our earthly daily lives. I think that's what Jesus was saying clearly in John chapter 15, when Jesus made clear in John 15 and verse 4, what? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Is Jesus saying you shouldn't have relationships with anyone else, only with me? No. I think what he's saying is all of the relationships of your life should be seen through the big screen of your relationship with me. I am the one that's on the big screen picture, and I have a plan for you, and keep me on the big screen. It's the same thing Paul's saying when he writes to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul, after Philippians, right? Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Is Paul saying that you should never be thinking about your job or your house or your car? No. He's saying keep all of those things in view of what? The big picture. The main screen. That your life is hidden with Christ. Keep the big screen the big screen. Right? God is at work unfolding his plan. On the main screen... Is not the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. On the main screen is not the history of Google and Amazon. On the main screen is not the history of the United States of America. On the main screen is the God who always was, He always is, He always will be. That's what dominates the main screen. He is never challenged for, you know, lead role. It's God. And on the main screen, what has unfolded? God decided, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth. What has unfolded? God decided, I'm going to create human beings in my image so that they can live in fellowship with me. And the human race did what? We sinned. We lost our fellowship. We died spiritually. And God said, here's who I'm bringing on the main screen. I'm going to put Abraham there with me because I'm going to choose a nation, Israel, and I'm going to display who I am to the whole world through Israel. <clears throat> and Abraham, through your seed, I'm going to bring about a plan of salvation that will reach everyone if they respond in faith that all the, the world can be blessed through my plan of salvation, right? 
all that God is showing. And then what do we know? Paul says to the Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, to what? To redeem us. So on the main screen, there is the word made flesh dwelling among us, and he dies on the cross for our sin. He rises from the dead in victory. He ascends into heaven. And what's still to happen? Well, if you look at Revelation chapter 19, you'll see what is yet to come on that main screen. For in Revelation chapter 19, we read in verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, <coughs> King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is what's to come. Now, how about our context here in 2 Samuel 3? In our context in 2 Samuel 3, on the main screen, unfolding is God's plan to do what? Put David on the throne. God is going to establish a covenant with David, and that on David's throne will come the Messiah, the Messianic line, and the eternal kingdom of the Messiah. And that's what's happening Unfolding is the big picture plan of God. Now, Abner is trying to stop it. But here's the great thing about the main screen. God's plan will not be stopped. God is putting David on the throne. God's plan won't be stopped. It's just not going to. What he said is coming on the main screen. It's coming on the main screen, right? And, and to keep that as part of what it means to be abiding in him and to having our minds set on heaven, understanding the big picture of what God is planning to do and how my part is in it as a follower of Jesus Christ. And God's working through what? Through different earthly means, right? He is. The first thing he's working through, again, right there in verse 1, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew weaker. What's one of the things that God uses? He uses time. Time. We don't like that, right? I don't want there to be time, right? <laughs> you know, I, 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 want, I, want, I want to go from this to this, and, and sometimes we feel like God's not doing anything, and that's never true. It's never true. He, sometimes he's just using time. He's using time and more time. He's, he's letting things unfold <clears throat> even when they say, why, why hasn't the Lord returned? And Peter says, because God's using time to let other people respond to the gospel. But time is an ingredient and he's using it. There's a second thing. He's using several marriages that David joins in. Right? What do we read there in chapter 3 and verse 2? Sons were born to David at Hebron. 
His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and his second, Chiliab, and you keep going, his third, and his fourth, and his fifth, and there's six sons that are mentioned here by six different wives. <clears throat> Sometimes we wrestle with Scripture, and we should, because we know what did God say? He wanted a man to be married to one woman, and so what's going on here with David? Did, did, did God give David a special permission? Did, did, did God not care about his design? <clears throat> and we can wrestle and we can have certain questions that maybe we're not going to have answered to heaven, till heaven. But one thing is clear, and that is that Jesus Christ affirmed and made clear of God's plan. <clears throat> because when Jesus came to this earth centuries after that, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 19, he was asked, about marriages. And what is it Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19? It's fascinating to me when I hear people say, well, Jesus never spoke about uh, transgender. Jesus never spoke about homosexuality. Jesus never spoke. And I say, what, what, what did you, do? are you missing part of the gospel of Matthew? In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4, he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them Male and female. Right there in the creation story, and you need to understand this because God doesn't negotiate with us. God doesn't bow to supreme courts or to earthly movements. God has made clear, I have created the human race and I have made males and females. And those that I've created to be male, I will always see them as male. And those who I created as females, I will always see them as females. Jesus says, know that. That's how my Father created the human race. That is what you need to look at and remember. And God's plan is that a man should marry a woman. And that's God's ideal. That's God's plan. Now, we live in a broken world. And we live in a world where people are, uh, that got those relationships all twisted up and we're seeking to win them to Christ. And as they come to Christ, they're carrying a lot of mixed up things with them. And we understand that. We need to be compassionate. We need to be loving. And we need to try and bring wisdom and discernment to, but, but the re, what, what God says is that. Here's, Jesus says, here's what God's design is. So there's no question about that. So you can wrestle with David and, well, why did he get these six wives? But God's design, Jesus affirms, is clear. And because of that, God, because he's God, he's allowed to use wrong relationships for his purpose and plan. You just look at Pharaoh. God used Pharaoh's hard heart to do what he wanted to do, right? And so God uses that. What's happening in that day and age as a king would marry different women, he was forming alliances. And those alliances were doing what? They were strengthening his position. And so as God's using time, he's using these marriages, and David is getting stronger because he's building more and more alliances. And then there's a third thing. And that is the conflict between Abner and Ishbosheth. Because what happens? Abner, remember, is the guy who said, I'm going to start my sideshow to get people's eyes off of God's main screen. And we're going to, we're going to get things going here uh, with a northern kingdom. And I'm going to have control over it. And Abner makes Ishbo the king. 
Ishbo's weak. Abner's powerful. He's a puppet king. Well, in verse 6, it came about while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now, Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, and Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Now, it doesn't say that he did. But it would certainly seem that that's the case. What we know at the very least is Abner's being accused of treason. In other words, if you go and take the king's concubine, you are saying, I have the right to the throne. It would appear that he did because there's no reason for Ishbo to cause trouble with Abner when Abner's more powerful than him. It seems like what Ishbo is saying is, look, it's about time that I take a stand because you're basically saying publicly that you're really the king and not me. Of course, Abner gets offended. How dare you? How dare you confront me? How dare you? Uh, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't you realize who's got the real power here? And as Abner, we, we see there, uh, it gets angry in verse 8. Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth. Abner decides, you know what? Oh, yeah, that's the way you're going to treat me? Well, I'll tell you what then. I'm going to go make a deal with David, and I'm going to make David the king over all of Israel. And that's his plan that he moves upon. He makes David a offer. Verse 12, Then Abner sent messengers to David in his place, saying, Whose is the land? Make your covenant with me. And behold, my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel over to you. I mean, this is bizarre because David is supposed to be the king. Abner steps up and takes the, the reins. And now Abner's saying, look, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I, I want to help you become the king. It, 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 there's, there's such a soap opera sense to what's happening here. One writer says, this unfolding story is full of conflict, intrigue, deceit, violence, yet it is told in such a way as to communicate the fact that God was at work through it all, working out his larger plan for David and Israel. And that's what we're seeing. God at work, the main screen, God is doing whatever he wants to do, to do what? To put David on the throne. And the same is true in your life. You may not see it, but it's true. You may not believe it, but it's true. God has a plan for you to be part of the main screen. He wants you to be part of his picture. He wants to be working in your life. And the Abners of this world don't have the power to stop it. God's plan is still unfolding today. Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you're, you're sitting here and, and you've never come to the place where you've been born again. God's plan that he put on the main screen centuries ago through Abraham that I'm going to bless the world and then it was Jesus coming to fulfill that promise went to the cross for you. The offer is to you today. God comes to you today and says, don't you realize I want you on the big screen as part of my picture of land. I want to put you there. How? Come to faith in Jesus. I remember the first time I heard Pastor Mitchell preach the words of 1 John 5, 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
<clears throat> I was a teenager who didn't think you could know. And I knew some of the things I did. I knew I was going to have to at least spend some years in purgatory to, you know, suffer at least some to, 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 if I have any chance at all, you know. And, and then to read those verses, what? I can know that I don't have to suffer, that, that, that Jesus paid the price for me fully and there's no need for suffering on my part. But if I come to faith, and that's what it is, come to Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Come to Jesus, and God has a plan for your life. When, 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 when Paul writes to the Ephesians, right, in Ephesians chapter 2, and he says, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's not of works which anyone should boast. It's a gift of God, right? But what does he say in verse 10? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God wants you on the main screen. I had breakfast with uh, Mike Mullen, my buddy, uh, on Friday. Mike and I went through Catholic school together in our freshman year at Maple Shade High, but then I transferred to Baptist High in Haddon Heights, and he continued, graduated at Maple Shade. And uh, we were looking at the class picture, class of 1979, Disney World, their class picture. And I'm, to me, I looked at the picture, I'm thinking, man, was Disney ripping people off? Because you couldn't, you could, I couldn't tell who anybody was. It's a, you know, the picture all the way back here. And a, but, but I said, Mike, where are you? And he's in the very front row. He says, I'm right here. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, you know, okay, okay, I, I believe it. You're telling me that's you, right? You know, uh, maybe you can't see yourself on the big screen. I'm, I'm not on, you're there. Or at least God wants you to be there. God wants you on the big screen. Come to Jesus, and if you've come to Jesus, get your eyes back on what he wants to do in your life. Because the abners of this world can't stop what's happening on the main screen. But we can hinder it if we miss the movie, if we get distracted. And that's the second thing, the sideshow, right? Abner got distracted from God's plan, starts his own little sideshow. And what's the result? Again, verse 1, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Israel is focused on fighting each other, and therefore they've lost their focus on what? On defeating the Philistines. They're supposed to be defeating the Philistines at this time. But they've taken their eyes off of the main screen. Abner has. And he started this little sideshow. And as he has lost focus on the main screen, now Israel is in conflict with each other rather than dealing with the Philistines. And boy, it can happen quick. I, I, that, that, there's a passage that I remember when I read it in college, and it sunk in deep, and I've tried to keep it close to my heart since Mark chapter 10, for in Mark chapter 10, uh, we read in verse 35, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Hey, we got a little sideshow we want to get started. Is that right? We, we just want to, we, we got a little, we, we know you're on the main screen, but we, we want to focus on our sideshow. Grant that, verse 37, that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. 
And so they divert attention from the main screen to the sideshow. And what's the result? Verse 41, hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. That verse is not saying that inside they were sitting there going, hmm. The, the real language to those words is, they came at them. What? Who do you think you are? You know, and, and it was a, a very disruptive time. In other words, the mission has stopped because now they're battling each other. And it can happen so easy. It can happen to churches when we start to battle for a piece of our own kingdom and our eyes get diverted from the, the main screen and they get fixed on our little side shows and before you know it we're battling each other and on the main screen is supposed to be that the world knows we're his disciples by our love for each other but nobody's seeing that because we're battling over our you know power struggles whatever it may be on the main screen is supposed to be we're coming against spiritual forces right and yet we're just battling fleshly Sideshows. I don't mean we, we are doing that. Certainly we're capable of. I thank God for how often I've seen folks in this church keeping their eyes on the big screen because that's where the beauty is. Listen, we're the body of Christ. We're the one place in the world where people are supposed to look and say, whoa, how are all those people with different skin color and different financial backgrounds and different education and different interests and preferences, how are they getting along so well? I'll tell you how. Because they got their eyes on the main screen. They got their eyes on Jesus. But when we get them on the sideshow, can happen in marriages. Husband and wife get their Eyes on their own personal sideshows. Oh, really? You're carving that part of the kingdom out for you? Okay, well, then I'm, get, I'm getting this part over here. And before you know it, they're battling each other, and they've lost focus on what? Molding their children, being a witness to their neighbors, being involved in ministry of the church, because the sideshows have taken over, and they've lost the big screen picture. We distract it. We dig in. We justify it. All the while, we're missing the movie. We've stopped seeing God's big picture on the screen. You're part of it. Your life is not insignificant. You are not a sideshow. God's big screen plan is unfolding, and he has you as part of it. But we miss it if we're distracted by our Sideshows. That's what Jesus does. He calls us back, right? Right there in Mark chapter 10. Get your eyes back on the big picture, right? Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Hey, you guys, you sideshows. Look at the main screen. I'm here. The Son of God. I've given up my right to, the, to, 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 to be in heaven. And I've come here to purchase your salvation. I've come to give up my life. Get your eyes back on the big screen and see your part in it. What's he say in verse 43? It is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. 
I'll find the secret to being able to be at peace when someone's chasing after their own kingdom. Keep your eyes on the big screen. Keep seeing Jesus. God hasn't given you time for your sideshow. God hasn't given you talents for your sideshow. God hasn't given you resources for your sideshow. God hasn't given you relationships for your sideshow. He's given them to you for His glory. He wants you on the big screen, part of His plan, working through you. His big picture includes you. It does. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the name C.J. Stroud. He's a rookie quarterback for the Houston Texans. Just finished his first year. Had a great year. He may be rookie of the year. Who knows? He had, had a great year. They won a playoff game. And in the post-game interview, as he stood there in front of all these people who were saying, wow, this young guy, here's what he said. Jesus laid his life on the cross for us. I really believe that. This is bigger than just football. Football is my platform. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is my purpose. Whew. There's a guy that's got his eyes on the main screen. And I became a C.J. Stroud fan very quickly. <laughs> Paul says, listen, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, don't do it as a sideshow. Do it with your eyes on the main screen. God wants you part of his plan. Surrender to him. Father, thank you for this portion of scripture that helps us see just, just literally what we're capable of. I lift up our church to you. I pray you would forgive us for our sideshows. Let us confess them and turn away from them and Encourage each other to get our eyes on the main screen. In our marriages, Lord, forgive us for our, you did this, I'll do that, sideshows. Let us get our eyes on the big picture. In our individual lives, Lord, let us see you want us on the main screen. We ask that you'll do that. We humble ourselves before you. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen.